hey, hey, welcome back, y'all. Oh, my goodness. November 29th. Welcome back to the Cold Calling Podcast, season two, oh, episode number 19. You are in for a treat. Now, hey, just want to make sure you can hear me. Is my microphones, are they on today? I'm Larry Long Jr., CEO, that's Chief Energy Officer of LLJR Enterprises. I'm honored to be your host of the Cold Calling Podcast, giving props and a shout out to our sponsors. We are powered by Monster Connect, leveraging technology to deliver actual conversations. Yes, we want to talk to people. We're not just smiling and dialing just for our health. We're smiling and dialing to have those connections, those conversations with decision makers. Monster Connect helps you have eight to 12 on average in an hour. Yes. Now we're hopeful that this podcast will inspire you will entertain you, will encourage you, as well as educate you on how you can take your selling skills, your sales leadership skills to that next level. So I'm honored to welcome today's guest all the way from across the pond. I hope I'm pronouncing this right, Leyland, not to be confused with Preston, England. Now making this a truly wonderful Wednesday, this guest is a sales coach a sales guide, a sales Sherpa, a sales mentor, a sales trainer. I've even heard a sales ninja helping individuals and organizations pick up that phone. Yeah, now you're talking my language. Pick up that 500 pound phone to drive more pipeline. And I think I've heard that pipeline cures almost every sales ailment. He has experience and expertise crafting sales training for top global companies. He's a true cold calling champion. He's the head ninja in the sales dojo. He leads the cold call like a boss workshop. If you're looking looking to turbo boost your sales, your B2B sales calls, you've come to the right place today. Although he's not a huge footy fan, if he had to pick, yeah, he would be a copite of Liverpool. Let's give a warm cold calling podcast welcome to my friend. Mr. Chris Dawson. Hey, Larry. Good to be with you, Mom. <laughs> Welcome, Chris. Thank you so much for joining us all the way across the pond on this wonderful Wednesday. I like to get started, and we're going to have three questions for you. I call this the who, the what, and the why. Who are you? What do you do? And why do you do it, Chris? Okay, so as you gave me in a very eloquent intro, Larry, uh, my name's Chris Dawson. I'm director of Six Door Training and co-host of the Sales Dojo podcast and events. Um, the who, the what, I support businesses all over the world now, Larry. I mean, we're talking Canada, Australia, the Philippines, Poland, Germany, everywhere with the sales team. And in a nutshell, we make them sell more to the people they want in less time by picking up that phone and accelerating that sales process as fast as they can. Um, why do I do it? You know what? It's a bit of a contrived answer, isn't it? We hear this a lot, Larry. Sales changed my life. I, I've got no discernible skill, okay? Uh, my my wife, my missus goes mad at me. I can't change a plug. If the lawnmower breaks, I am useless. I've got to get, I've got to get a real man in to sort this out for me. Um, I can't draw. I, I can't mend cars. But I can talk to people. I can have conversations. I can interrupt people's day. You know, if if it comes to like Armageddon and we have to rebuild the population and farm the land and build, build I am useless, man. Like, there's, I am not going to help rebuild the population. But as soon as we start commerce again and we need to start those conversations going again, well, that, then I'll have my worth. Wow. That is an amazing, amazing intro for all of our viewers. For all of our listeners, welcome to the dojo. Now, Chris, I I call this spill the tea. And this is number one of spilling the tea. I understand you're a ninja, Daniel, son. What's up with that? How are you a sales ninja in the sales dojo? Do tell. So I know what you're getting out here, Daddy. So uh, my partner in crime, my business partner and very good friend of mine, Leon. I believe Leon McCowan's been on the podcast with you before. Seven years ago now, Leon had this amazing idea to 
create a sales meeting for people who don't get to have a sales meeting. They don't get to learn. They don't get to have that energy like you bring, Larry. They don't get that boost. So Leon started putting on events where we got guest speakers and we just tried to help as many people as we can uh, because sales change both our lives. Seven years on, uh, Leon still puts on these amazing events called The Sales Dojo. We launched The Sales Dojo podcast to try and spread this to a much bigger audience. Dojo quite simply being a place of learning. Um, we believe everybody in sales should always be learning. You know, how many salespeople do we meet that go, ah, oh, nothing you could teach me about sales. I know everything. Like, well, you're, you're green and you're growing or you think you're ripe and you're starting to rot. You've got to keep learning. So we just want to push learning new ideas, new approaches, different ideas on as many people as we can um, and hopefully change a few lives along the way, you know? Man, you, you are definitely on that path. Now, I was wearing this earlier, this shirt that talks about relationships. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was based on some relationships that you and I got connected. You mentioned Leon, who's been on the show. I think a good buddy of ours, Naraj, as well as a great friend of ours, Susie Matheson. Those yeah. relationships, and I think it was back in the days of that thing. I don't know if it's gone extinct, but that thing we call Clubhouse. Is, is Clubhouse still around? I think that's how we connected. You know, I've literally just written a, a, a short article for LinkedIn on Clubhouse. And is it still there? We don't know. I actually logged on to it a few weeks ago, and it is, but it's a very different place than when we were there, Larry. Larry, yeah, we got to meet you, which was amazing. We got to meet Susie. Susie's now part of the Sales Dojo. Susie uh, hosts every week with us on the Sales Dojo podcast. But we got to speak to people. There was a guy who came on every night from the beach in Sydney in Australia. There was, do you remember a guy used to join us from South Africa every night? And every time he spoke, he finished speaking by saying, may the sales be with you. And off he'd disappear into the night. Um, and there was guys from Canada and India and Poland and France. And it was a global chat. It was awesome. And we built a relationship with you, Larry. We've got to know you really well. Um, it was an amazing thing while it lasted. Um, but I, I don't know where it went. Poof, be gone. But those relationships are here to stay. And uh, I appreciate you more than you even know. Now, I know that you're out there. You, you got the feet on the street. I'm curious, what are you seeing? What are you hearing? What are you feeling in terms of those top challenges that sales professionals and specifically cold callers, your SDRs, your BDRs, your AEs that are actually picking up that phone and calling. What are some of those top challenges that they're facing right now? Give me that pulse. Uh, you know, you only have to turn on LinkedIn, don't you, to find somebody telling you, just do this one thing and it makes it all easier or do these two things and you'll treble your sales and that. And we really need to be, as you say, keep a finger on the pulse of this. I don't think there's anything wrong with admitting it's hard out there. Like it, economies are tough. It's challenging out there, man. Um, purse strings are really tight. Budgets are really scrutinized. Decision makers have got ever more pressure on them to get it right. There's no room for mistakes. Uh, the finger on the pulse, what I'm hearing the most is people are more and more avoiding the phone. Okay. Now, there could be a million reasons for this. I'm, I'm no guru on why that is. I've no raw data on that, but I spend a lot of my waking day with sales teams all over the world in loads of different sectors. And there is an, an ever growing phone fear, a fear of the phone, because there's so much put out there. If you just have to send an email now, just build a relationship on LinkedIn and they'll come to you. I'm like, you know what? Yeah, you should be doing all these things. Of course you should. Pick up the phone because you can jump that entire thing. So you've got a lot of phone fare coming through, fed by the media, fed by social media, fed by possibly people that are selling alternatives to picking up the phone. Um, and the second biggest thing is people are losing control. Is I agree. Let's let's talk about some stereotypes. 1985, you're in a in a booth in an office setting appointments for a double glazing window salesperson or whatever it might be. Yep. There is that stereotype of picking up the phone, isn't it? The hard sell, the push. Um, 
I got called, Larry, the other week by a very, very, very well-known organisation. I won't get you into legal trouble by saying who they are, okay? We'll keep that quiet. This guy on one phone call tried to close. They were trying to sell me something, but the starter price was $5,000, and he wanted me to spend it there and then on the phone call, get your credit card out, give me five grand. And he tried to close me with the line, there's only two reasons you wouldn't do this, uh, sir. Very polite. Only two reasons you wouldn't do this, sir. Either you just haven't got 5000 You can't even afford $5,000. Or you don't care about your business enough to invest the money. Which is it? No. Come oh, on, man. With, with, have you been watching The Wolf of Wall Street too much? You know, you need, this is Hollywood that you're talking to. Stop it. So quite rightly, over the decades, we've come away from that. We have moved away from this sort of selling. But we've gone a little bit too far. And I don't agree with hard sell at all, but you have to stay in control. Like it is your role as the salesperson to help that prospect make a good decision or a bad decision. They've got to make a decision and we're not going far enough to help people make a decision and we're not going far enough to keep control of that sales process, which leads to far more serious challenges down the pipeline, like happy ears, hopium, a pipeline filled with absolute dreams, yeah, um, because you've lost control. You're not living in the world as it is. You're living in the world as you'd like it to be. So I would say to everyone, how do we get over these two challenges? Pick the phone up. Just pick it up. Just go and make a call. You'll be amazed at how receptive people are. And two, you're a professional. This is a profession. Treat it as such. Keep in control of that call, which obviously we can look at how to do that later on. Oh, that's strong right there. I like that. Keeping control, overcoming the phone phobia, picking up that 500 pound phone like we're doing some curls. Oh, I love it. And I appreciate that example of trying to get you to sell 5,000, giving you the hard clothes, putting that pressure on you. I can tell that that was not an enjoyable experience. And I would reckon, that's my Southern accent coming out, I would reckon that you probably will not be likely to do business with that organization. Larry, here's, here's the rub. Okay, so I was keen to learn what more sales practices is this company using. So I kept him on the hook a bit. Okay, so I pushed for a call back and I said, you know, I'm really genuinely interested. This could be great. But right now, current economic climate, I've got to think about five thousand dollars to start with. Please call me back. I booked a call back with him and I was going to take the call back. He didn't follow up. He lost control and he didn't follow up, follow up, follow up, follow up. Just dreadful, man. Wow, that that that's that that makes my heart cry right there. Now I, you got me thinking. You got the gears turning around the 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 phone phobia and the conversations of picking up the phone. I'd love to hear your perspective around what I would call next level questioning. I know that we've talked before, and you talked about holding back listening, learning versus blah, just solution <laughs> vomiting. What What are your thoughts around those next level questions? Yeah, it's, um, and a lot of it goes back to sales leadership, the pressure on people to sell and a whole mindset about what selling is. So we're, we're salespeople, you know, we're, we should be built to be eager to have conversations. We should be eager to hit our targets, eager to get to the next person to have a conversation, grow, build, develop. I love all that. But the problem with that is quite often it makes us rush the process. So I know it's a, an overdone metaphor, but you can't ask for a summer wedding when you're on a first date. You've got to take this in incremental stages, haven't you? Yeah. So we'd say, what what is the goal of a first date? And we shout this out in seminars and people go uh, to find a partner, to find someone you love, to, to, to get a second date. And I'm like, oh, we're getting there. I said, no, the goal of a first date is very simply to see, is it worth us both having a second date? It's a qualification process. And I don't mean to take romance and love and make it such a base sounding thing, but, and we know this as salespeople. So we start to qualify 
But then we get happy ears because we say something like, well, how often do you look at this? And they say, oh, actually, we're starting to look at that at the moment. <gasps> wow, I found one. And we just vomit. Go, oh, well, I can help with that. And we do this. And we've got 8,000 years experience. And we've won an award for that. And, all. and, and the whole idea, especially of that cold outreach, is just learn. So, so when somebody says, oh, well, actually, we're reviewing that soon. Oh, sounds like something's happened to make that come up. Tell me about that. Shut up. Just be really curious in the call. You're not there to pitch. And this is where, as you brought up second level questioning, is people are brilliant at this first level. Bant, if you want. You know, is it your decision? Have you got budget? What do you need? Is there a pain that we can solve? Which I'm not fond of, but we'll get onto that in a bit. Instead of going, okay, there is a need. Well, how come? What's happened to make the need? And what was the need in the past? And we're not getting a full enough picture and that creates a lot of stalling pipeline further down the line. Wow. Meow. I love how you talked about that curiosity. It might have killed the cat, but it really helped the sales professional. I love how you talked about not rushing the process, letting it marinate, letting it simmer to learn, to dig in deeper and to establish what's the goal of that first call to determine does it make sense to have that second call, you're spot on. And you took my next level questioning question and you tied in the other cue of qualification. Man, you must be a mind reader. Come on, Chris. Now, here goes a, a question. And speaking of questions, I want to let all of our viewers know, if you have a question on your mind, go ahead, get your Twitter fingers ready. Go ahead and ask Chris. We'll, we'll, we'll take your questions live right now. The man, the myth, the legend is here with us. But now I've got some questions for that new sales professional. The person who comes in eyes wide open, they have no idea what they've gotten themselves into. I got to pick up the phone 50 times, 100 times. Are you serious? What advice do you have? for those new sales professionals that are trying to have success? Oh, it's a massive question, isn't it? So I'd like to take that a step back and say before they even turn up in the workplace, a lot of their success is determined by how they're ramped. So before they've even turned up for their first day on the job, their success is almost ordained in the stars already by what their leaders have prepared for them. So I've been working with the team recently. They're just onboarding some new people. And it wasn't in the remit of what I was working with the existing team on. They, we had a coffee break one day. We were swapping ideas. Yeah. And the first thing I said was, how much product training? They, they sell a, a, a range of products, a big range of products. I said, how much product training have you got booked in? Oh, they're going to have at least two weeks intensive product training. So, right. Okay. How many how much of that training is about the people they're selling to and the industry and the problems they face and the challenges and all that lot. It's like two hours. So if all they know is product, what are they going to say when they're on the phone? They're going to say what they know about the most. They're going to vomit the product to everyone. So just flip it because if they get stuck on product, they can put somebody on hold, go and ask. What they need to know is why have your top 50 customers bought off you? What challenges did you solve for them? What are the big problems in the industry that you're selling into at the moment? What are you really good at helping people with? What do they often come to you and go, we've got this problem, what could we do? What's going on there? Then if that's what their head is filled with, they'll go and have those conversations. And those are the ones that lead to sales. So don't worry about product. So they've come in, they've started on the first day, they should just have a head filled with customer stories, industry stories. And instead of saying, read this book on sales, no, read this book that your prospects read it. Because if all you know about is your side of the fence, what you sell as a seller, then you're going to have a buyer-seller relationship, okay, which is like a, two people on the opposite side of a tennis court, isn't it? If you really know about your seller's world and their problems and their challenges and their industry, you're jumping over the net and you're playing doubles. You're on the same side. You're one of them. You're not the person on the opposing team. Now, 
that links into if we've got a tennis racket coming out, this is exactly it, man. <laughs> I'm trying to sneak it out. Don't tell Susie. <laughs> <laughs> so here we go. If you're starting in your sales role now and you become an expert in the world of the people you're selling to, you are now more valuable to them than the thing that you sell. And that is how you get to the next level with it. Because if the only value you bring is the things you sell, well, that's all about you. And here's, if this is your first day in sales when you're listening to this, here's a really bitter pill. Nobody cares about you. Nobody cares about your product. Nobody cares about your target. The people you're calling care about their world, their business, their targets, their worries. So go and have a conversation about that. That, that is powerful, 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 powerful. You said flip the script and the priorities from the product to really understanding those that you serve. And I love that tangible tip of going out and understanding your top 50 clients. Why did they buy? What problems did you solve? That deep understanding of your ideal customer profile, that's powerful. And that's how you set a great foundation. Now, I believe it starts at the top. What advice would you give for, I would say new, but I'll say all sales leaders, at least in title, how can they do a better job to support their, their sellers? Um, immediately. And you know what, Larry, this surprised me. I started my training company 13 years ago now. And before then, all through my sales career, decades long sales career, I'd never had a job in a company where they didn't record my calls. Oh, wow. So when I left that and set my own company up, I was green. I was naive. You know, I was a new business owner. It amazed me. I had no idea. I thought everyone recorded the calls. It turns out they don't. And even in 2023, with all this technology available to us, they still don't. So if we had to break this down, there's a lot I could say to sales leaders right now. But the one thing that I scream at them is if you don't start recording sales calls and every week your team has to listen back to themselves. If you do record them and you don't play them to your sales team, then so fool you. Um, look at it this way. We mentioned soccer before, Liverpool. Okay, my missus is a big Manchester United supporter. That's obviously some friction in the house. Um, they came back in a really bad... They'd been to Old Trafford the other week. They got beaten 3-0 by Man City. Yeah, there was some vibes. It wasn't great. And I said, okay, so this is a Sunday match. They've lost. What were Man City doing the very next morning? Even though they won 3-0 in a stunning performance, they were watching the video of their match on how could they do better. Larry, me and you are big golf fans. We play a lot of golf. You see Rory McIlroy get on the first tee, and he smashes a ball 390 yards effortlessly, or it looks effortlessly, doesn't it? Yeah. What does he do every single day? He watches the video of his swing. He reviews himself back and back. Adele released 21, the album. She didn't record it once and go, yeah, I'm sure that's fine. Let's go to the pub. She listened back and listened back and listened back. Name anyone in the entire world who's at the top of the trade they review. So why would you make 100 phone calls to people you want to do business with and not listen back to them? It's just madness to me. So if you're a sales leader and you're listening to this, you can get a VoIP system, voice-operated internet protocol phone system for peanuts, buttons that will allow you to record your calls. You can download an app on your iPhone that will allow you to record your calls. Uh, let's preempt some objections here, Larry. Oh, but we're not allowed to. We've got to tell people that we're recording the calls. No, you don't. <laughs> okay. If they phone you and you've not told them, you can't use that recording in court, but you're not using it for that. You're just using it for training, so you're fine. Yeah. Get it recorded. Get your sales team listening back. You don't even need to help them. Make them a cup of tea. Give them a notepad and a pen and 20 minutes of their recorded sales calls and tell them to coach themselves. I tell you now that the, the improvement is massive immediately. So, yeah, sales leaders, number one thing out of a list of 158 other things, get your calls recorded. 
Man, that, that was a mic drop moment right there, Chris. And I would encourage for the sales professionals, if your leadership is not supporting you in this way, Chris just stepped in to provide you with guidance, to be that Sherpa, record your calls, and then listen to it. Now, now Chris, you got my gears turning, and there's really two things that you got me thinking about. Number one is practice. I would love to get your thoughts on practice, and I'm going to stack. I know you're not supposed to stack questions, but I want to get your thoughts on, on practice, as well as I'm curious about your training program, your training process, and specifically, how do you tailor that to different levels? You got that newbie that's out there. You got the intermediate. You got the more experienced. I would love to know how do you tailor it? So practice and then your training program. Right. We'll take these one at a time then, Larry. Okay. So um, one of my favorite phrases, you've got to practice so hard, you make it look easy. You've got to have people sat next to you going, how do they do that? Well, because I've said it a thousand times before I picked up the phone. So here's, here's a rub. If you went into a training room now and said, right, everyone, we're going to do role play. You will literally hear people throw up. There will be windows opening as they jump out, four floors up, like no role play. Now, I, hey, I get it. We've all been in dreadful role play situations, haven't we? So here's the thing. This is why it goes wrong so often is we are professional salespeople. We are not professionally trained actors. And most role plays I've experienced have been five, ten minutes long. Let's role play a whole scenario. Well, one, we're not actors. We, we're not improv actors. We can't do that. And two, it's pointless. The whole idea of role play is to get things in muscle memory. So a five minute scenario cannot go into muscle memory. It's like you wouldn't you wouldn't go right. I'm going to go to the gym today and I'm going to do um, uh, uh, crunches or curls or whatever. What are you going to do? Well, I'm going to walk in and I'm just going to do them solidly nonstop for an hour and a half. It's not how it works. And you equally wouldn't do right. I'm going to do one push up then five curls, then half an hour on the running machine, and then 10 push-ups. And what do you do? You do 10, repeat, 10, repeat, 10, repeat. So how should practice go? Write your script out. Write the first 20 seconds of your call. Sing it in the shower. Say it to your dog. Get your oppo in work, your best mate in work. Read it to him. Stop. Read it again. Read it again. Read it again. Read it again. Keep getting feedback. Keep tweaking it. It's just a driving range. It's a golf range, but for your goal. Now, here's another one. Uh, people go, oh, I keep getting told I'm not interested. What do you got to do? Because we've role-played the call. And, right, get one reply to that. Yeah, we wouldn't be interested. Hey, I get that. Most people aren't interested when I first interrupt the day. I tell you what, before I go, can I ask you two questions to see if it's even worth us putting you in the CRM for a callback? Stop. Say it again, say it again, say it again. And it feels draining. It feels repetitive. But if you've said exactly those words a hundred times, then you pick up the phone and somebody goes, yeah, we wouldn't be interested. It just comes out your mouth. It's just really natural. That's how your team should practice. Short burst, repetitive role play all the time. Like all the time. The, the call itself is just the very end of the process. Just like McElroy hitting that ball on the first tee. It's not the first ball he's hit that day, is it? He doesn't just get up, have his cornflakes, have a shower and go, oh, we'll go and hit some balls on the Masters today. He's hit 500 on the driving range first. Um, maybe, I know he doesn't seem to win anything. Bless him. I love Rory, but he's still a very good golfer, isn't he? Um um, and, and just the last point I make on that, Larry, I know we're short of time, is if you know you're going to get an objection, like I know people are going to say we're not looking at anything till January. Now we're nearly in December. It is unforgivable to not have a well-rehearsed reply to an objection you know that you're going to get. Get that sorted out. That's powerful. That's powerful right there. Now let's get into your training. I'd love to hear what's your style for catering, for tailoring, for customizing, for different levels of sales professionals. So 
99% of the training that my organization does is completely made to measure. So quite often we'll get, if we get an inbound inquiry, it's a software company will come to us and go, Chris, we need training on X, Y, and Z because that's where our team are falling down. We go, mm, okay, that's one opinion. And the first thing we do is we'll meet the team uh, we'll listen to the recorded calls and we'll review the sales processes and we'll meet the sales managers and the team leaders and the coaching people and that whole process. We'll get a, a rounded view of exactly what is going on. And then from that, we'll design completely tailored training for that specific team, sector, time of year, challenge they've got, everything. So it's laser targeted at those people. If you just do it off the peg, oh, I've got a course for that. How do you know? Like, we're not teaching people how to swim here. This is a vastly complex arena, and we're dealing with human beings here. Some might have a confidence issue. Some might be brilliant on the phone, but the second they go face-to-face, they fall to bits. Others might say the right things, but their voice tone's all over the place. We just don't know. And you know what one of the craziest other sides to this is company comes to us and say, Hey, Chris, we really need help. We've got a big problem. We need loads of training. After we've done the analysis, most of the time it turns out, no, your problem's not that big. You actually don't need a lot of training. You just need to tweak this, maybe stop doing that and uh, do a bit more of this. And it's amazing how these tiny changes have a massive effect. It's not the terrible thing that's going on that people come to us with. So we can then deal with everybody at the level they're at. We can put in one-to-one personalized coaching for people in certain situations. Um, But salespeople are all unique, man. They all bring amazing characteristics and strengths. You've got to treat them that way. That's amazing. I love to hear how you're practicing exactly what you preached. You're digging in, you're, you're meeting, you're listening, you're learning. And then from there, you're able to provide something that's laser targeted, laser focused to address exactly what they need. Now, I'm thinking in my mind about mindset because sales is tough. And like you said, everyone's got a superpower, but what are your recommendations on how sellers, professionals, sales professionals can really develop a resilient sales mindset? So resilience is, it's an open, it's an open-ended kind of word. It's an abstract word, isn't it? It will mean different things to different people. So let's break down some things everybody's going to be hearing at the moment about this is one, um, very common to read nowadays about don't be outcome orientated. Let's look at what that actually means because that will help you with your resilience. Okay. So by what it really means is, let go of the preconceived idea that you're you have to get a meeting. No, you're there to see if it's even worth having another conversation. Right. You, you're not trying to bang a square peg in a round hole. Yeah. So when they object, that's where people need resilience, isn't it? Because you're going to get told not interested all day or too busy to talk to you right now. Here's two words that you can use that help with resilience. That's cool. <laughs> Just go with it. That's good. You try having an argument with somebody and they're, they, you know, they're really, oh, I'm really angry with you. And you go, hey, I get that. That makes sense. But there's, there's no argument there, is there? There's nothing you have to be resilient about. So stop trying to change people's minds. Stop trying to convince them and talk them into stuff. Try living in a way that you don't need to be resilient in a call. Because when somebody says, oh, I'm just too busy now, I'm going to the meeting. Hey, yeah, cool. Sounds like I've caught you at a really busy time. <laughs> like, I don't have to be resilient again. So I'm just going with it. Hey, listen, before you go, so I know whether it's worth calling you back, can I ask you a question? Right, you're now into a conversation. But just my missus hates it, Larry. You know, as all couples do over the years, you might have an argument now and then. We're only human, aren't we? And if I turn around and she's trying to argue at me and I go, Hey, that's cool. <laughs> and Jenny will go, don't, don't you do that thing. Don't you dare. <laughs> and I'm like, Let's just take all that out. So 
I think trying to teach people to be resilient is, well, just try and approach it in a way where resilience isn't really an issue. Um, You know, you have to have a level of resilience in life. Of course you do. Life is hard. I get that, yeah? Um, But you have to be resilient. You have to fight when you've created a situation where somebody's fighting you. Take all that fight out of it, and yet you don't need as much resilience to it. That's cool. Wee, Daniel, son, that was a lesson in the dojo. That's next, <laughs> next level right there. And I like that. That's cool. Ooh, I'm, I'm going to borrow that, Chris. I'm going to give you credit. That's cool. <laughs> I'm curious. I don't know if you're a mind reader. I don't know if you're a fortune teller, a future teller, but I want to know what what do you see on the horizon for sales? What's the future of cold calling? I hear all this chat, GPT, IM, robot, AI. Where are we going, the state of sales and the state of cold calling? I think if the, <clears throat> the pandemic 2020 taught the world anything, don't predict the future. <laughs> we just don't know, do we? Um, you know, it, you could be interviewing me in a year's time and I'm actually a hologram um, and it's digital Chris that's talking to you. We just don't know. Um, but I, I chat with a lot of far cleverer people than me, Larry, that talk about this stuff. And there's kind of polarised arguments on this. And I'll be honest, I don't know which route my mind is taking me down yet. I'll, I'll, I'll start with the, the route that I like. I like the sound of, and this is happening. I mean, there is evidence that this is happening. Tech is reducing in the sales world. You know, we've had this Cambrian explosion over the last few years of tech stack. Got to get your tech stack. And there's SDRs and AEs out there with 100 different bits of tech trying to do the job. I mean, massively removed the most important part of the sales process, the human being in there. Um, And that is starting to, to die down a bit now. And the humans coming out. And I like the idea that the more technologically based society gets, the more removed from each other we get because we just, we converse over social media and argue over social media and everything, the more desire there will be for human contact. Now, lockdown proved this. We all got locked away from each other. The world went mad. You know, we we crave human contact. I'm sure when Leon was on here, he will have said, we're just cave people. You know, we've, we've, the human brain hasn't evolved that much. We've just got this tech. So one avenue I see the future is tech stack's going to withdraw slightly and the need for human interaction is going to increase. But I see that only at a certain level within the market. I see the lower level, the more entry-level stuff. Um, I had a meeting last week with an AI company. I'm building some AI stuff like a Chris bot and everything else. But you'll be able to role play with me, but I'm not actually there. It's a digital version of me and you can role play and you can have nice Chris, medium Chris or Chris hot where I'll be really harsh and you role play with you uh, while I'm sat in a restaurant having a meal with me missus or something. You know, it's a, it's a robot me doing this with you online. And the tech they've showed me is, and I know a lot of people are saying, no, AI is just scaremongering that. No, I'm sorry, it's coming, it's here. And if I would say if you're in a very entry-level sales role, skill up, man. I'm not saying get out of sales, skill up. Make yourself valuable. Give worth to yourself and your skills. Because if you're literally going, good morning, can I help you? Let me put you through. There is a robot in 12 months going to have your job. And why would a business not? Because the business is there on the numbers and the tech is there right now. It's uh, I could see it going that way, which I know is quite an unpopular opinion, but all the tech that I've seen, I've played with, I've witnessed, I'm talking to a company about building it, lower level conversational roles, can, not saying will, but definitely can be replaced by tech very shortly. Um Here's the other scale. We had a great conversation with it, Larry, for the future of sales. You've got me going now, Larry. Sorry. Hope everybody listening to this. I hope you've got nothing planned. We were chatting to a really fascinating guy in fintech, so finance technology. And he was saying already in place, massive finance deals, like multi-multi-million dollar deals, are being negotiated by AI. They've removed the human. 
And he said, where do they always win? If AI is negotiating with a human, AI has no emotion. AI has no ego. So you can't win the negotiation because one, you can't play with its emotions and its fear of loss because it has none. It just has the binary code. And two, the AI has learned what human emotions are and how to push your hot buttons. So that AI negotiator can rile you. It can get you mad. It can hurt your ego. It can create a fear of loss or a desire to gain in you. But you can't retaliate because it has no ego or emotion. So it will always win. And that's a well... What's stopping us from having AI on both sides of that negotiation? And then who would win then? Or is it just a fight to the death? And I think it's at that time we need to go back in time, like the Terminator, and possibly like kill some of the inventors of it or something. Because this is, we're going to Armageddon, aren't we? Wow. Mind blown. First of all, woo, I can't wait to see the Chris bot. I want the medium Chris bot. Don't give me the hard one. I, I'm not ready for that. one. But I love the point of AI negotiating because it doesn't have a heart. Oh, my goodness. You you got me thinking now. You got me thinking. I want you to share for our folks that are sales professionals. What else should they be doing? I know you told them skill up, like, hey, you better step your game up. What else should sellers and specifically, I'm going to say specifically cold callers, what else should they be doing right now to prepare themselves and position themselves to be in a better position next year? So right now, if you're you're sat being an SDR right now, first of all, Big salute to you. It's a really challenging job. Yeah. Uh, it's hot, a million miles harder than when I started it. Let's just say more years than I'd like to say ago. Yeah. It's a different world that you live in. So every credit for getting out there and doing it every day. But equally, there's the opportunity that there wasn't when I first died, when I was 18, 19, to earn the sort of income from being an SDR that there is now. I mean, there's SAS SDR roles out there that are earning more than high school head teachers. Doctors, surgeons, people in the legal industry, and you've not had to go through 10 years of training and college and everything for this. I think you've got to give your role the respect that it deserves. This is a profession now, just like a surgeon, a doctor, a legal person or whatever, and you have to treat it the same. So you have to upskill, you have to learn, you have to realise that you can't join and in six months be earning six figures and be made sales director six months after that. It's not how it works. You've got to put the hours in, just like a surgeon or a doctor or a lawyer or whatever, not just because of the money, but because of the skill needed. This isn't a, oh, you've got gift of the gab, come and have a sales job. That world's gone. You know, we're talking studying human behavior. We're talking studying your own behavior, emotional intelligence, the the the, the, the finance industry, business itself, You've got to treat it seriously. So first thing I say is if you want to make serious sales, you've got to take sales seriously. You've got to treat it as a profession. Give yourself a 10-year plan of learning, not of promotion and where you want to be. How good do you want to be in 10 years? How, and there aren't qualifications for this, are there? But there will be, I'm sure. How qualified do you want to be? Go, you know, become a professor of selling. Be obsessed with it. Treat it with the respect that it deserves is what you should be doing. Turning up at nine, finishing at five and going to the pub, just ain't going to wash it because AI is coming for your job. People who are prepared to do the hours are coming for your job. You know, they're snapping at you. Just like years ago, I'd say, oh, are you afraid to pick up the phone? Well, your competitors aren't and they're phoning your customers. So you better get on the phone. Oh, are you a bit not bothered about getting better? Well, you maybe want to think twice about that. Go for it. And the rewards can be massive. I love it. Don't step in Chris's dojo unless you respect the profession. Now, Chris, as we start to wind down, I've got your LinkedIn link right there on the banner. Where can people connect with you, 
Also, how can people support you and learn more about how you're helping individuals and organizations take it to that next level? Well, if, if you really want to support me, everyone, I'll drop my bank account details on there. Just give me some money. That'd be amazing. All right, real, real pray for Chris. Yeah, no. Um, how can you support me? Come and follow me on LinkedIn. In fact, no, don't. Don't follow me on LinkedIn because that's not what LinkedIn should be about. Connect with me on LinkedIn. But I want you to follow me. I want to get to know you as well. Come and connect with me, okay? Let's grow our network together. Chris Dawson, come and find me on there. I post every single day. Lots of ideas to help people. Um, go on Google, look for Sixth Door, 6-T-H-D-O-O-R, sales training, or sales training UK, or sales training Liverpool, or sales training Manchester. Here I come, yeah? Um, and we can support your sales team by learning, by genuinely listening to what your challenges are. And we're not just sharing knowledge from my long sales career. We're sharing knowledge from every sector around the world, from real high-flying sales teams, what they're doing right now. This is up-to-date, on-the-pulse training, coaching, and support that you can get because it's ever-changing, man. It's always growing. And can we give the Sales Dojo a follow as well? We want to help as many people as we can. Can we use our, Can I use our tagline, Larry, for the Sales Dojo? Yes, sir. We want you to help you hit your targets, earn your commission, and buy those new shoes. Mama needs some new shoes. Now, you got me curious. I need you to spill the tea part two. Sixth door. Do tell. That, that's an interesting name right there. Yeah, it's a question we get a lot. And, and I know most sales training companies I've come across are called Aspire and Achieve and Zoom and Zap and all this lot. Um, so here we go. I'll try and do the abridged version for you, Larry. Uh, sixth door. Uh, comes and you can Google this right now if you're listening to this. Just type in Sixth Door Temple. And it is a temple in the southwest of India, a Hindu temple. Uh, and the fable of this temple is it's a real temple. It exists, amazing looking thing. When it was excavated, they found a long corridor in this temple. Either side of this corridor were doors that you could go into rooms. And in these rooms were gold and jewels and treasure and all this lot. A real Hindu temple in India. And at the end of the corridor is the sixth door. Now, this sixth door was a bit bigger than all the other doors, and it was surrounded by carvings of the god Vishnu in snake form, protecting this doorway, protecting this room. And the mythology behind the sixth door was, behind it is the greatest treasure known to man. But everybody who ever tried to get through the door, break in, open the door, they fell ill. Family members had accidents, terrible tragedies. They were cursed for trying to break in. And the, the legend had it, only a Hindu high priest saying the right incantation would open the door to the greatest treasure. There's the same story in a lot of other cultures and mythologies, open sesame, so on and so forth. They finally broke into the sixth door room and it was empty. There was nothing in there. And the story behind the myth, the fable, the parable, the, 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 the moral lesson is the greatest treasure known to man is different for everyone. For some people, it's health. For some, it's family. For some, it's time, whatever it may be. But if you use the right incantation, if you use the right words, you can get it. And that's what Sixth Door do. We help you change the words you use to get whatever the greatest treasure to you is going to be. And that's where Sixth Door comes from. Come on, man. Goodness, great. That, that's another, that's a double mic drop moment right there, Chris. <laughs> Woo! He took us on a history lesson. That was deep, deep. Now, Chris, before we wrap, I want to give you the microphone. What's that one lasting lesson or point that you want to leave with our listeners and viewers today, if they if they only remember one thing, what's that one thing you want to leave them with? Wow, that's a great question. Um, okay, uh, you know what? I'll probably change my mind ten times on the way home now, Larry. Uh, so here's my one last thing: always agree a next step. Period. That's it. Always agree a next step. That sounds great. I'll speak to you next week is not a next step. That's you being disappointed next week when they don't answer the phone or turn up. I'll send this over to you, have a read and get back to me, is not a next step. That's you 
headed for Disappointment Central. Yeah. I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm working late tonight. I'm going to do some research for you and get this over to you. Is there anything specific you'd like me to research? Get them involved. Yeah. You're looking for red flags all the time. Okay. I've got my diary in front of you. How about we speak again at 11 o'clock on Tuesday? I can answer all your questions. And if everything's in line, we could move to the next step. Still not there. And they go, yeah, absolutely. Great. I'll get that invite out to you. Listen, Larry, if I phone you at 11 on Tuesday and you don't answer, what should I do? Qualify, qualify, qualify all the way down. Yeah. Don't be afraid of a no. Your job is not to get a yes. It's to get a decision or to be a bit deeper. It's to get the truth. You can't be afraid of the truth. Just get the truth. Stay in control. Ooh, that is powerful. Way to put a bow on that. That's next, next, next level right there of digging in, confirming the next steps and understanding the truth. Chris, I cannot thank you enough for joining as our guest today on the Cold Calling Podcast. For all of our listeners, for all of our viewers, make sure that you don't just follow, but that you connect with, that you engage with. Chris on LinkedIn, make sure to check him out on all the socials. Check out the Sales Dojo. Check out the Sixth Door. We want to support you, Chris. And I want to remind everyone, if you enjoyed today, make sure you come back next week. We're going to be back, same bad place, same bad time, December the 6th. We're going to be welcoming my good buddy, who you know as well, Chris, Mr. Ahmed Haig, the CEO of Sales Impact Academy, where we're talking about practice. He's going to be joining us live and in person. I'm going up to the Big Apple, so we will be in New York City. Hey, Chris, I cannot thank you enough for joining us today from the Cold Calling Podcast from Monster Connect. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Wishing you all the best and continued success. We'll see you next time, Chris. Thanks, Larry. Absolute pleasure. (laughs) Bye for now. Thank you.